Welcome to the second episode of 13 Ways to Lead with your host, the 13th Command Chief of the Air National Guard, Chief Master Sergeant Maurice Williams. Our featured guest today is Staff Sergeant Angelica Smith from the 118th Wing. I'm Master Sergeant Eric Gallion, and today's topic is all about leading by empowering people. Unleash true potential by laying out the vision, re-emphasizing the standards, stating the goals slash objectives, provide quality training, empower, and hold members accountable. Step aside and allow those on your team to do what they do best. Empowerment and autonomy leads to engagement, which in turn will lead to great results. Chief, the floor is yours. Hey, it's great to be here today and great to have one of um, those sharp NCOs with me today. Uh, of course, uh, she shocked me today. I want to congratulate her because when I met her, she's a CM and just a couple of months ago uh, at a, in Tennessee at the 118th uh, wing out there uh, with an intel brief. So right now I'm going to give uh, Staff Sergeant Angelica Smith an opportunity to introduce herself and tell a little bit about background. Thank you, Chief. And I want to thank you for this opportunity, first and foremost. But I'm originally from Ohio and I joined the Air Force right out of high school. My dad had a big influence on that because he's retired from the Air Force. Okay. And uh, I'm a geospatial analyst. My first duty station was at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia, where I was with the 36th Intelligence Squadron. And then I moved to Nashville, Tennessee with the 118th Wing, which I've absolutely loved down there. So when I'm not in the SCIF, I am at Tennessee State University uh, working on my degree as a civil engineering major. Okay, well, good, good, good. That's great to hear a uh, very diverse background. Today's uh, topic for the 13 Ways of lead, Leading by Empowering People. What what do empowerment mean to you? Uh, well, empowerment, what it means to me right now is providing, especially as a new NCO, is providing my airmen with opportunities or giving them specific tasks. In most cases, it's to help them grow, but other times is to get the mission done because it's not always about us mm -hmm. and having grace when they do fail. But I also always want to be there to support them and guide them and essentially empower them when they're working through this task. So they can, when they become NCOs or getting close to that, they can advocate for themselves in a respectful manner and they can feel comfortable voicing ideas because people are so creative and we all have diverse backgrounds with some, no two people pull the same things to the table and we, it might change our whole methodology of how we might do something one day when we just listen to people and give them opportunity to speak. Right, right, right. Man, I listen, listen to that answer. You're going, you're, going, you're going to a lot of places there. Very good. So, hey, so, uh, you know, you said you was in um, an active component. So based on your experience being active duty and now in the Air National Guard, do you see a difference in – Airmen being empowered based on to do the two different components? I do feel like I see a difference, but I will say my experience is limited to Langley. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the Guard, you can you can invest more time with your airmen because you don't have to worry about them PCSing. And then I've seen a lot less airmen in the Air National Guard versus active duty. There's way more junior enlisted. Mm -hmm. So you have to distribute your time more widespread in most cases. So versus the guard, they can focus on knowing their airmen, building those relationships and helping them reach those goals that they may have personal or in within their career field or at the unit. 
Okay. All right. Good. General General C. Q. Brown, the current chief of staff of Air Force, is talking about accelerate change to lose. And one of the things he talks about, you know, is empowering people uh, at the lowest level. And I think based on your unit where I was at, and the reason why I have you sitting here, because as a senior airman, the brief that you gave me that was very detailed. So I feel that that, that environment that you're working in is really empowering those airmen within your organization. But how do you feel about that? Do you think the empowerment there in, in the section that you work at? Oh, I would completely agree with you, Chief, because when you met me, I was actually working in a different flight temporarily. So I think a big component of empowering airmen is first equipping them and to be able to lead and grow. And so as I was in the TSA section, they told me what TSA was, but more Mm -hmm. importantly, they broke it down. So I truly understood what my work was, what it was for and who it was going to and the depth and gravity of what I was doing every day. So just knowing that, that alone makes you have a sense of pride and you want to do better. You want to do your absolute best because you know the you know the end result of what you're doing on a day-to-day manner, even though if you may not see the results tomorrow. So I would say the 237 have done an amazing job equipping airmen and growing them What's, what's your career goal aspiration? I'm still trying to figure that out, Chief. But honestly, what I've seen at the 118th, I think I can, do want to continue to stay in the guard. Mm-hmm. And as I as I move up in rank right now, I'm focused on becoming a good supervisor. I just recently got my first troop. So okay. I want to do my best in guiding him and leading him to whatever pathways he want to go. But um, once I figure out how to be a good supervisor, I think the next step maybe like maybe a special duty or when I hit master sergeant something like uh what master sergeant smith is doing and okay. be a travel exec or someone exec to see a different field of work and really expand on the admin section because I know that's something where I need to grow the most at because I cannot remember forms to save my life but I have a good <laughs> one note and I have my dates which you need to do for your troops and different stuff like that to keep me accountable and keep me on track so I can guide my troops. Last time I saw you was a senior airman, so now you're staff sergeant. Get your weight up one more time. Hey, I'll get you on the travel exam. You do what best Sergeant Smith is doing. <laughs> All right, sir. I'll hold you to that. So what are you majoring in? Civil engineering, sir. Civil engineering. Okay, so you major in civil engineering, but you, hey, we still haven't figured out what we want to do in this career path here. Hey, one thing is very diverse background. Just continue to do that. So it's now, you know, you say you have one, you know, you got one airman up under you right now. So what plans do you have currently as you got this one airman? If, you know, you just had a crystal ball and set everything up, what would you give that airman to create an environment where they would feel empowered currently right now and what they know and where you are? What's your plans? Right now, um, my airman is very quiet. So my end goal is to get him comfortable with advocating for himself and speaking up for himself, of course, in a respectful manner and uh, right. when it, in appropriate time. So um, but we're going to do the ACA, and I just want to see where his goals are so we can start building that pathway. Mission-wise, he's doing very well. So maybe one way to get his uh confidence up with speaking is maybe do a mission brief within our flight because Mm -hmm. 
he may not talk much, but uh, he excels at the mission. And I want people to realize that and acknowledge uh, his work ethic and the how well he does his job because it should be noted. Right, right. So you've already identified the strengths and weaknesses that you see in him by having those conversations with him. He's good at doing the mission and doing his brief, but that that um, that connection and talking with people yeah, it seems to be real quiet, huh? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Hey, that's it right there. Hey, you got a down pack. Shoot, I'm about ready to take that uh, staff sergeant. I'll go ahead and put a uh, mass sergeant on right now. I mean, step promotion <laughs> is a thing. <laughs> She's ready to move oh, on. Oh, good. Hey, so growing up in your household, since your, since your father was military, was your household structured in a military environment? No, I'm the youngest. So my dad, he retired when I was about seven. Okay. So my siblings got to be on the multiple bases. They got to move everywhere. By the okay. time I was born, my dad, he was in the reserves. So okay. I did get to see some of the experiences and he would always take us to the air shows and we visit multiple bases like Wright Pat, like we'll forever have a special place in my heart. Okay, right. Just being able yeah. to see that experience and what military life would have been if he was still active. Okay, okay. Wow, that's that's good to be able to look back on that and uh, see the things that uh, you know, especially now since you uh, came, you know, you going came into the Air Force now, the Air National Guard, uh, and have those reflections to look back on. Uh, it really helps a lot. We have a lot of individuals in our organization that are trying to, as you said yourself, is trying to find their way in what they want to do in their career. And what advice would you provide to an individual that would be a senior airman, staff sergeant, that um, may be unsure of what direction they want to go in their career? I would say try to get as much exposure um, within your mission set and then possibilities, what you can do outside of that. Because right now, I haven't been in my flight for too long, so Mm -hmm. I want to perfect my craft before I really move to somewhere else. So once you perfect your craft, I think it's important to see what options you have because I had the opportunity to do, when I was A1C, a course with NGA. And it pretty much opened, like, blew my mind of Mm -hmm. how many things I can do on the geospatial side, like, as a civilian. And it seems so enjoyable. And just learning more about my job and capabilities and how expansive it is that did kind of guide me into certain things what I did like or mission says that I want to cater to more than others. So I would just say try any experience you can because you never know what you're going to like until you actually do it. That's how I definitely I feel the same way about engineering. I right. think I want to be a civil engineer, but when I'm actually out there, hopefully I do like it. Right. So, But you don't really know until you, you're like down in the dirt. Right, right, right. Well, you know, you mentioned about uh, being exposed to a lot of things. And one of the things I talk about when I'm out there talking to Ammon and doing enlisted calls and stuff, I inform uh, CNCOs, officers, uh, that, hey, we need to make sure that our Airmen in all AFSCs are receiving intel briefs uh, at least a minimum two times a year, if not once a quarter, so they can understand the why and why they wear the uniform and their purpose in serving and doing their job. I think that's so important that uh, we we continue to do that because everyone is not in a career field like yours where you are uh, exposed to the information and have the understanding of why, hey, why we do what we do 
as a Air Force and just as a nation to, to keep us secure. Other individuals that in other career fields that you are um, around, are they in tune with uh, things that's going on that you know about? Uh, are they in tune with that in other areas? I think many people are not. Maybe ammo and, you know, maybe supply, mm -hmm. they might have an idea because they have to date readily prep for these things. Mm -hmm. So I think those briefs would help them a lot. But also I feel like it can help the intel side too mm -hmm. because there's certain structures or systems that like far as ammo, they're set up ideally the same. But if I don't, never experienced that, I don't right. know how they work. I don't know they, how they operate. So, you know, it can be... It can be a give and take on both sides where we both can grow and we both both can learn from something. Mm -hmm. And I hope both sides come out with a better sense of purpose and pride in what they do, because like you said, we're all a puzzle. Right. And I think it's so important that somebody takes the time to ideally supervisors at the lowest level to really explain why their mission is important, no matter what it is, because I know Intel specifically, but I know that burnout could be any area field, I mean, career field. Uh, a lot of people, when we deal with contingency planning, we're just planning what if. And certain people, like, they don't see a result, so they can get tired of that. But somebody said to me, and this really sucks to me, they were like, we don't want our work to be used. Because if we're if our work is used, we're in a pretty dire right, situation. Right, 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 so yeah. just knowing the importance of that, you know, that could prevent, like, you know, that sense of I'm doing this for nothing. Like, no, right. you're doing this for a reason. You need to put pride because this might be the, the plan yeah. of action, the you know, the officers choose. Right, right. This this may be the time when they say the uh hit the pant. Yes, right. That, that may be the time when it when it happens. Providing that information on the why, to me, that leads to empowering people. Because they know more. They know more, they act better, they think better, they put more emphasis on what they're doing in their job and where they conduct themselves because they're empowered by by the information. And that builds a sense of pride, I think, with people. And it, it gets that buy-in. Understanding the role that an individual plays, which provide, which relates to courage of individuals within their career field, uh, which also gives them understanding of what it means to operate in the profession of arms. So all that run together as we, we look at people, you know, because that's that most, I always say the most valuable resource. And you got to feel that pride in it. I completely agree, sir. Yeah. We are looking at accelerating change. Do you see any changes in your career field based on how we're preparing to fight? Um, I think I'm starting to see change, but mm -hmm. I don't think we're fully there yet. Mm -hmm. But I have seen, like, different units adjust accordingly. And um, I completely agree with General Brown. Like, we do need to accelerate change. And innovation has been a big topic in the Air Force for a couple of years now. So I, I'm happy to see we're capitalizing on, on that and mm -hmm. really trying to up-channel those ideas that fit whatever problems that we have. So I'm going to jump to another set. What do you like to do on off time? Uh, on my off time, I like to travel. I'm trying to get outside of the country, but every time I try to get outside the country, something happens. Yeah, um, you may get outside this time, may not be able to get back in. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this is a good time. <laughs> uh, work out. I spend a lot of time with my dog. I have a Labradoodle. Okay. 
Yep. And then um, I just like to do a lot of outdoor stuff, like nothing too, too strenuous, but I just like to enjoy like being out in nature and going to different like creeks or rivers, like canoeing and kayaking. Well, you know, because I, I asked about that because, uh, you know, that social part of our life is very important to keep us active because, you know, we always got to be engaged, you know, as physically, mental and spiritual side of ourselves to be engaged. So I like to see what people do, you know, uh, as I'm traveling out a whole lot, you know, one of the things I have to do, I have to get out and try to get some physical activity in. It's a lot hard at times. I have to get up real early in the mornings to go get that run in and come back and get prepared for the day. But, you know, my outings, I get back in, hey, I like to play a little bit of golf. Not the best at it, but love getting out there doing it and trying it. So yeah. having that outlet, I think, is, uh, is good, you know, because that keeps us prepared for the fight as we go. And, and I say all that to, you know, as you think about cultures within the organization, do uh, within your shop and your unit, do y'all have social events that kind of bring people together? Um, yes, we do have social events mm -hmm. on Friday, usually the last hour of work, we just sit down we right. and we just really get to know each other off mission and just see um, what happens in their personal life. Because I think it's really good to have at least a, a report with the people you work with every day, even if you don't work with them every day. Just get to know what they like and just learn more about them because that's how you build relationships and, you know, build trust as well. So when something is going on, if it's not you that they come to, they know they have somebody that can support them. And I will say that's one thing my unit has been phenomenal with because it has been a rough year for me, but they have gotten and they have had my back every turn and I've appreciated so much. Right, right. Well, that's good because that, uh, you know, like I say, it, it building that trust and getting to know people, it builds a good culture and that keeps the environment there. And one thing, too, it helps, you know, keep people in our organization as retention. You know, <laughs> it goes back to that, you know, because, uh, one thing uh, a lot of times I say, you know, uh, people don't leave organizations, people leave people. And so as long as we have a good relationship and build that environment, people will stay around the organization. You've learned now that, hey, you could go outside of the military and get a very high-paying job. But it's about the environment that you're in now that's very enjoyable to you, that keeps you there and keeps you, you know, driving to continue to grow so uh you know as uh, we got to keep those uh environment and that culture healthy everywhere we go and i think all that too re uh, relates to empowering people in their situation i want to ask you about your uh, your rapport with with your unit now did you notice a difference as far as building rapport with guardsmen versus active duty airmen Yes, I will say I felt supported at Langley, but there's a lot more people. And like I said, people come and go. So people who you become attached to, you won't always be able to rely on them unless you keep that close contact versus Tennessee. We're here and we have an ongoing joke. You join when you're 18 and you don't leave till you retire or die. <laughs> so um, so it's good to know that that report will be long term and no matter what, you just pick up the phone and that person will still be there or they're just one building over or one shop down so that you constantly have that support or that need. And especially as you go through the years of your life and different stuff, like those people have been with you through those experiences. And you can't, I feel like it's hard. You can have it on active duty, but it's much harder to maintain that. How do you think that dependability affects your empowerment? 
I think it's good because it can be humbling at times when people have seen you grow from a younger airman all the way as you advance through the ranks. So I think it can be a humbling in a sense, but it also can become encouraging because people can tell you like the things you improved on and how you fixed your flaws or new flaws is developing. And then they can mentor you from that higher level, no matter where you are in the rank structure. Have you had a strong mentor in your life or uh, there been one person that you would look at and say, hey, that's been the person to help provide me the guidance uh, throughout your career? I couldn't say one person, but I will say there has been various people through different seasons. But that's one thing I am looking forward to with the guard. Uh, there is one person that I feel like is the closest to that right now. Mm-hmm. And um, we both have a unique experience um, that like bonds us together because he actually used to be um, the ROTC instructor at my, co- at my college. Okay. So we can relate to a lot of things. And he came from active as well. So he's definitely been the closest person to that, to guiding me and just uh, his objectives he placed on the, well, he now he's a new flight commander, but the objectives he did uh, put on our flight. Mm-hmm. So I will say, I feel like I'm beginning to build that at my unit, but because of like the active duty lifestyle and then I haven't been in my current unit too long, uh, I haven't really been able to get that, but I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, you know, I, I can relate to that. Uh, I've never had, one mentor I kind of got bits and pieces from different individuals uh no one that I can directly say hey that was my mentor and uh and just kind of grew from there but uh looking at looking back uh, I don't know if it'd have been more beneficial or not I think it would have but I just never had a person that I connected with like that as a mentor you know because that mentorship, you know, you're having that uh, personal connection because you're willing to share things and uh, divulge things personally and professionally so they can really help you grow because, you know, that's the long term as a mentor, not a short term, you know, because they're looking at, you know, not just develop, not just a skill set, but developing you for the future. So uh, I think uh, that is uh, good that individuals can have that one mentor, you know, that we can all be successful. Yeah, and then even if you don't have that one mentor, like you said, we all talk about how we have we have different diverse mm-hmm. backgrounds. How somebody says something could impact you way like completely different. Right. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if you don't have a a long term mentor, as long as that person's helping you grow and develop and expanding your perce- uh, perception of life and whatever it is in your career or outside. I think that's all that really matters. So what year are you in the school? I'm a junior. Are uh, we going to finish on time? I hope so, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, engineering is challenging, especially when you get to the upper level courses. And then, you know, with the pandemic mixed in, right. it, it was a lot to handle. So I'm going to do my very best. But at the end, I'm going to finish. Right. And, that's you know, right, resiliency, you know, I'm going to finish. I, I worked too hard to get to this point. So... There's no turning back. So we're going to finish, and okay. I'm going to try to finish as fast as I can, sir. Okay. All right. Because, you know, when you finish, the degree, degree ain't going to say how long it took you. Exactly. And, and it's going to have end date on there when you did got <laughs> it. So that's the thing about it. That's what I tell people. Hey, stay focused. Don't worry about it. It ain't going to say it took you 10 years or five or six or four. Uh, you know, so just, just, just keep on pushing on it. Going back to empowerment, a lot of people sometimes do a comparison of empowering and micromanaging. 
do you think that people get that confused if someone is uh, trying to give them more freedom to be empowered or do they feel like, hey, an individual is micromanaging because they're involved in other things and giving them a lot more stuff? Um, well, in my personal opinion, I'm personally not a fan of micromanaging. I mm. don't feel like it aligns with empowerment unless that person gives you a reason why you need to micromanage them. Right. But initially when we meet them in airmen, because our core values, we're going to expect they have integrity and give them so much of trust mm. until they uh, tell us otherwise. So I think when you empower someone, I, you know, you give them a task that's adequate to their skill set right. or their rank. And I do think you should give them some space. But I think you should always be nearby to support them to answer any questions or to help them along the way if they have any hiccups. And then, you know, if hopefully they don't fail, but they do fail, you know, you have grace and you see whether there was a disconnect, whether with the instructions or the vision right. or whether they just didn't comprehend something. Because when I did my internship this last summer, I was a sophomore with like very little engineering experience, but they mm -hmm. treated me like an engineer. And when they talked, uh, if the conversation got a little higher, they uh, they answered questions. They'll stop to explain mm -hmm. things. And I was able to do things and reports that I never thought I would be able to do with my lack of experience just because they gave me that trust and they gave me the resources to lean on. And they stayed nearby even though I did everything on my own and they just checked it and gave me feedback. But just giving me that support system while giving me the freedom to try to figure it out myself that by myself that allowed me to grow but I also knew that I always had their assistance if I needed it and I think that is the perfect balance that everyone should have like I said unless they show you otherwise right right and one thing you you hit on uh too was being there to provide uh giving them the task but being there nearby in case they need the other direction you know so you can help them be successful and that goes back to uh as a as a supervisor leader or NCO, it's over people. Hey, you taking you take the ownership on why you think they fail. Hey, maybe I did not articulate the instruction well. Maybe I didn't explain it well enough. Maybe maybe I did not provide enough guidance. And that and that is a move of empowerment because you're taking ownership of something. Something is not right. Hey, what can I do better to help those individuals be successful? You know that, and I take that from a book that I read called Extreme Ownership. You know, if something fails, always look to, hey, what could I do to have make that better? I got to own everything that is below me to to make them successful and make their mission successful. And I think that relates back to, as we talk a little bit about empowerment, because it's, it's showing them, that, hey, hey, the leader is taking ownership of it. I need to do a better job in, hey, listening and understanding as they provide information to everybody grows from it. So I think it's a, it's a joint thing in growing. You ever seen an example of either a mission or a project fail because of lack of empowerment? Yes, when I was at Langley, um, we had a new staff sergeant and uh, he came from maintenance. And just because he didn't have the experience or he didn't know how it, how it is, he wasn't qualified yet, but he did get qualified soon after. He was very hard on us if we made any errors before it went through the QC process. And so until he went through that training and understood like how easily it is to make a small error after before the QC process, um, yeah, he was very hard. And I feel like not at that time, not the best leader, but once he got gained that experience, 
he had grown phenomenally and I think it built a better rapport within the flight and he could he could relate to us hand in hand and then once he knew we were kind of given like set small challenges like okay cool what if you have the like a minimum of errors or something like that maybe I'll give you like a long a slightly longer lunch or something like that and we really grew from that and I'm so happy that he grew from that as well and he even admitted that he's kicking himself in the face of how he entered uh our shop at that time so it's it's I'm happy when they can learn from it that's all that matters that sounds like an example of uh failing forward yes yeah, and Chief, you mentioned something about that beforehand too, haven't you? Yes, yes. Uh, about failing forward as individuals, you know, we d- we don't we shouldn't take failure as something of being defeated. We should take it as a learning experience because we learn from those failures so that we don't repeat it again if we really digest it and uh, we learn how to go around a different path on it the next time. Uh, you know, one thing I always say, hey, fail forward, pivot, make another decision, engage again. But now, you know, a lot of people I have to explain to them, hey, I'm not saying just make quick, quick decisions. Hey, make a calculated decision. You know, take some time to digest it and look at it and see if we go in another direction. We need to go in another direction on it. Uh, but I think uh, it's a prime example of what you said. He he learned that he felt you know, a certain way after the way he entered in the shop and on the back end of the results. But it was a learning experience for him. That's something that stuck with him. Uh, And that's why he probably shared that later on in the direction he wanted to go. So we're uh, nearing the uh, end of this podcast or this episode. Uh, Do you guys have any final thoughts you'd like to share? In regards to empowerment, just support your airmen, create a positive environment where they can voice their concerns or their ideas and goals and uh, you know you try to support them the best that they can so you can grow them and equip them to be better leaders because they will replace us once one day all right folks y'all just heard it she just capped it up i'm gonna let it close out with that well thank you chief williams and staff sergeant smith for your insights on leading by empowering people be sure to follow the air national guard on facebook twitter and instagram if more of team 13 Follow the director of the Air National Guard on Facebook. Join us again next month on 13 Ways to Lead, where we will be talking to Staff Sergeant Tamara Silcott from the 155th Air Refueling Wing on leading by being honest. From all of us here at ANG Podcast Network, have a great Air National Guard day. Team 13 out. 13 Ways to Lead is produced by Major Amber Schatz. Our editor is Master Sergeant Brandy Fowler. This episode was recorded at the Secretary of the Air Force Public Affairs Studio in the Pentagon and was mixed by Master Sergeant Brandy Fowler.